You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. My man, Blasco, as we roll into this holiday season, I'm just shouting out some gratitude to you, my man, for bringing us together each and every week. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. In the last episode, we chatted about how to connect with your fans. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. Today's episode is sponsored by our buddies at rockabilia.com. Go check them out for the awesomest collection of officially licensed band merch on the planet. Use our code PCJabberJaw and get 15% off your entire order. Today's episode uh, is... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> <My bad>. I was, <laughs> was going to chime in with a little get on over to Rockabilia. You know, uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday have passed, but man, there's still time to get some of their 500,000 plus items for your loved ones for whatever holiday they're going to celebrate in the month of December. So head over there. Tell them Blasco and Mike sent you. I actually heard from someone in person uh, in my recent travels that they had gone over and used our code and it made me stoked. Uh, I know they appreciate it, and we appreciate Rockabilia for supporting the podcast and supporting the Job Media Podcast Network. Yes, uh, and today's episode is also sponsored by the cool kids over at Banzoogle.com, where you can build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Try it free for 30 days, and be sure to use the promo code MENTAL to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Yeah, you know what? I Maybe I'm hearing things. I'm not so sure, but I almost promise you between the last episode and this one, somebody told me that they had used our code and gone over and created a website for it. And what I love about Banzoogle is, you know, they get it. They're artists and they've created a platform that allows you to build a website and integrate some of the great third-party tools that exist out there. So... Don't take it from uh, me. Take it for yourself. Go over to Rockabilia. Nope, that's the wrong one. We'll go to Banzoogle this time. Uh, (laughs) Go to Banzoogle.com. Use Mental for 15% off. And they also love hearing uh, that Blasco and Mike sent you. So get at it. Yeah. This week we talk about marketing strategies. This is going to be killer. So let's get mental. Hell yeah. Uh, so, Mike, speaking of band Zoogle, uh, this episode um, I pulled from the band Zoogle blog. So, for those of you um, maybe new listeners, 
uh, or you haven't tuned in for a while, uh, Banzoogle is not only one of our sponsors where you can build websites. However, is it, it is a good source of information there. They are artist friendly as they are a company built by artists. So, um, worth checking out the blog or worth checking out the site. Uh, even if you don't plan on or needing to build a website, there's still a lot of good content there as well. So it was written by, uh, Patrick McGuire and, um, it's called seven top marketing strategies for musicians. So here we go. Number one, figure out who your fans are. You won't be able to get the most out of your marketing efforts without knowing just who your fans are. Things like the age, location, and gender of your fans are important things to keep in mind long before you even think about employing a music marketing strategy because getting the most out of your marketing efforts greatly hinges on forming a detailed plan. Yeah, I mean, that's great advice. And the beautiful thing is there's so many tools nowadays that allow people to figure that out. You know, I think you and I came from a, a place in an age where, you know, we kind of knew, you know, being in the rock and metal genres primarily, we kind of know the target, you know, targets that we're trying to reach. But now you can really hone in and using, you know, no matter where you're in a interacting with fans, whether it's social media, whether it's streaming services, you know, they're collecting data and they're allowing you to look at this. So, you know, I think that you got to have a little bit of hand, you know, a little bit of a hand in, you know, the, the data component of it to really know. And then you kind of just have to have a little bit of that gut check to say, okay, who is it that I'm trying to target? And, you know, the mix of those is really where I try to try to, to live with most of this stuff. On the marketing. Yeah. And, and look, you know, you may be asking yourself, why do I need to know that? Why, why can't I just put my music out there and it'll find the right people? Um, because we're not living in that era anymore. Why do you need to know who your fans are? Because for instance, if you've got a fan base that are primar primarily young kids, maybe even primarily girls, if you're going on tour and you're going to project how much and what type of merch to bring, right? That will be indicative of who your fan base is. If they're a bunch of young girls, you know that you need to bring a bunch of girl related merchandise, smaller sizes. If your audience is primarily older guys, then you know that you need to project and order uh, larger sizes, you know, double X, triple X. You know, um, what are their habits? Um, where do they listen to music? This is a big one in terms of understanding uh, who your fans are. Do they listen to music on Spotify? Do they still buy CDs? Are they vinyl? I mean, these are all very different types of fans and consumers. And you need to know this so that you don't waste your time focusing on vinyl if they really only listen to your music on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a great freaking point. Um, and luckily, like we said, there's those tools that exist to, to kind of hone that data. No doubt. Number two, engage existing fans before trying to make new ones. Whether you've got 50 fans or 5 million, audience engagement is an essential part of sustaining a meaningful career in music. Once you've got a good idea about who your fans are, it's time to do everything you can to connect with them while maintaining your identity as an artist. 
Whether it's through social media, email campaigns, or blogs, fan engagement is pretty much essential now for keeping your existing fans interested in what you're doing. Why? Because there's an insane amount of distractions out there for your fans and you run the risk of being forgotten about without meaningfully engaging your fans on a consistent basis. Yeah, this is a great point. And, you know, one of the things that, I, you know, we talked about in previous episodes, you know, is you got to meet your fans where they are. So if, you know, your demographic is primarily on Instagram, then you need to spend the bulk of your time on Instagram. You know, you can try to train your fans by sending emails and, you know, kind of this big catch all. But after you do this for a while, you're really going to know where to put the most attention. And like he says here, once you figure that out, then you kind of double down on that and really do. Engagement is key. You know, I know with the artists that I like, anytime I'm hearing from them, getting updates, it just makes me feel a little bit more connected. And sometimes it, you know, it absolutely makes me just want to go, you know, listen to a track (laughs) right then and there. So I think this is a great, great point. Yeah. I mean, you can't just throw up a post and walk away from it. Um, And not only that, you have, I think the most important thing here is that you have access to your fans now. Ask them what they want, right? Like, do they want an EP? Do they want a single? Do they want a video? Like, what are the types of things? Like, hey, here's two ideas for t-shirts. Which ones do you like better? I mean, this is so heavily important in that, like, you can cater to them what they want. And if you give them what they want, then they're going to continue to be a fan because you're acknowledging them as a fan. And not only that, but you're going to make more money and you're going to provide yourself the opportunity to make a sustainable career whenever you're giving the fans something that they want to where they can purchase it and keep, you know, feeling feeding the beast, right? Keep keep feeding the, the the machine that needs to keep moving in a forward direction. So um, super important. And, and I think this is a good one. I do. I agree with your point. And on the flip side, you know, if, if you, you know, if your fans aren't sure what they want, it's just a great way to tell them why you've given them what you've given them. You know, in the case of one of my bands who recently released an album, uh, you know, they had 13 songs on there and it was important to them. That number made a lot of sense to them uh, as to, you know, w- just with the concept of the record. And so when they conveyed that to the fans, right, it actually made them feel more connected. It made them understand why there was 13 songs, which I just thought was a really cool way of, of you know, embracing that strategy. Yep. And just want to touch on this detail for item number two here is the insane amount of distractions, right? Like if you're a person online now, think of all the things that are competing for your fans' attention. So make sure that you're engaging with them um, because that will help keep their attention focused on you, right? Because it's like they can watch a YouTube video, they can play a video game, um, they can play Angry Birds or, or Candy Crush. You know, I mean, there's so much shit. They can listen to a million records, right? If they have, you know, iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, they can listen to music very easily accessible. And why are they going to listen to your record versus the millions of other records they have at their disposal? So once again, highly important. Uh, number three, 
social media music marketing strategies. So whether you're trying to get the word out about a new release or people to show up to your performances, social media is still a great way to narrow down who might like your music and to reach out to those people directly. Paid ads on these platforms are the easiest way of accomplishing this, but researching things like hashtags, local bands and cities you're playing in that sound similar to you, Reddit threads, and Facebook groups can help give you that exposure for free. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And I think this is stuff that, you know, you and I employ each and every day in the uh, artists that we're involved with. And, you know, it's really one of those things where, yeah, you just got to, you know, if you're if you don't have those skills, there's so many places out there where you can educate yourself. And there's so many people that are able to help you, you know, with usually relatively affordable services, if that's not your area of expertise. But, you know, there's no denying that you've got to figure out a way to cut through the clutter and cut through the noise and figure out how to actually deliver whatever you're paying for into the eyes, ears and hands of, you know, the people that might actually want to uh, digest it. Social media specifically, look, I understand that the algorithms are frustrating, that only a small percentage of your fans are seeing your posts. So what are the answers here? Well, one is to hack the algorithm and focus on postings that work with the algorithm, right? And and those those change all the time, but like graphics don't work well as photos. And you know, there's a certain amount of hashtags you want uh you know attached to a post, but uh and you know videos works well than just a photo. And you know, there's all different types of strategies that work here and those change constantly. So it's really good to be um, it's really good to be uh, adaptable and to do your research and kind of stay up on the things that are working. Not only that, pay attention to the things that work. How come this post got, you know, a, a thousand likes versus this other one that only got 50? You know, why is that? You know, do your own research on your own postings and focus more on the things that are better and better engaged. And then two, you know, paying for this stuff, I understand is frustrating to you know, boost a post or pay for these ads. But at the end of the day, you want to get seen, right? The whole point is to be seen and to be heard. And as as frustrating as it is, the thing of it is, is that not many bands are doing it. So you provide yourself a huge advantage if you're willing to put some of your band budget towards boosting your post and and paying for ads, because a lot of bands don't feel that it's worth investing or they don't understand or or they don't know how to do it or they don't know why they should be doing it or whatever. So the point of it is, is that if you're willing to throw a little bit of your budget towards some paid ads, I guarantee you it will be beneficial because not many other bands are doing it at this point. Yeah. A couple of points here, especially for, you know, those out there and, you know, the developing artists, you know, even when your your sample size is small, when your footprint, your your following is is small, that's a great time to start to mess with some of this stuff, right? You can, you know, use some trial and error tactics like Blasco's talking about and really hone 
you know, what works. So as your fan base grows, you, you aren't wasting as much time and as much money when the ad spends get bigger. And, you know, for me, I've always thought it was interesting. I mean, back in the day, Blasco, you and I had to, uh, all the time we had to pay for, you know, advertisements in print ads, or we had to print up flyers or do things like that. So to me, you know, I'm fine with the fact that you've got to, you know, invest in yourself in order to really reach, you know, your audience. And I think it's just about educating yourself or, you know, asking for help, hiring somebody that that knows how to do this stuff for you. Yep. Uh, number four, produce non-musical content, photos, videos, blogs. If you hope to reach new audiences with your music, putting lots of time and thought into offering other content to your listeners will help you make a lasting impact that ultimately gets your music heard by new ears. No one said being a serious musician in 2018 or 19 was easy. Yes, none of these things is related to making music, but in today's insanely competitive music industry, audiences often need more than just music to become a reliable fan of a musical artist. Yeah, and this is stuff we talked about in a recent episode where there's so many ways that you can, you know, use non-music related content to, you know, build your audience, engage with your audience and, you know, really use it as a as a tool to grow. I mean, nobody wants to watch you recycle you know, or try to reinvent a hundred different ways to promote a track. What we want you to do is, you know, dig a little deeper, go outside of the musical lane and use some of the additional influences that you use to, to make the song or the album or the EP or the video. And I just think this is a great, great point on his end. Yeah. And look, for anyone listening, go back and listen to the previous episode, episode 95, pretty much the entire episode is covers this one subject. Um, uh, number five, pitch your music to blogs, playlists, and press outlets. Pitching your music is one of the least fun parts of being a serious musician. Writing an engaging bio and press release, looking up contact information, and sending email after email into the abyss is soul-crushing, but also necessary for engaging new listeners and gaining momentum for your music. Rather than aiming to get featured on the biggest blogs and playlists you can, starting small and working your way up from there is a good way to approach the gargantuan task of pitching music. And remember, you might not think getting featured on small blogs and playlists is that important, but it actually is. Momentum doesn't just appear out of nowhere. It starts with a couple of people at a time becoming loyal fans of your music and eventually grows into something more substantial. Yeah, I mean, this is a, another one of those great points. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't even know that I can add much to this. I thought this was really well written and, and well put. Um, I get it, man. It's it, it's frustrating as well as daunting of like, where do I begin? How do I find all these blogs? How do I find all these playlists? Uh, what exactly do I send to them? Um, I get it. Um, but you know what? You, 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 gotta, you gotta start somewhere. It's all baby steps. And and, and you know, and 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 he's right here in that a lot of these smaller blogs and playlists are 
very passionate music fans that are very enthusiastic about what they're doing. And yes, are they the most professional? And you know, or did they have the biggest listener base? No, they don't. But it, it, it could just be that one spark, that one fan that does listen to this show, or maybe even the guy that has the the playlist or blog becomes a fan, and he go and he goes on and talks about you mm-hmm. to his fans. It's all got to start somewhere, and you know you don't just walk out the front door onto the stage of an arena. Like you got to work your way up, you know. Yeah, I think what I was going to say um, was think of it in terms of like building relationships, right? And, you know, we've talked about this, you know, that's kind of the key to what we all do. And, you know, when you say walk out of your front door onto the stage of an arena, you know, so many artists want to be covered by like the biggest blogs right out of the gates. And really what I think you and I have found is sometimes you got to develop the relationships with the smaller blogs early on, because just as you're hoping to grow as an artist, they very well may grow in terms of their exposure. And so I do understand you are pitching, but one of the ways to frame it as you're approaching it is, how can I build a relationship with this person? And don't get discouraged if they say no now. Part of it, as you and I know, Blasco, with everything we do, because we're pitching all day, every day for some sort of opportunity. And really, sometimes it's just framing it as a, a way of educating people. I'll submit a band you know, with an agent for a tour, and then I'll call the manager. And yeah, I'm pitching for my artist to be on that tour. We may not get it, but what I've done is educated them as to where we are currently, what future plans we may have, and then I can continue to keep up with them. So the next time their artist or another artist has an opportunity, I'm already, you know, one step up the ladder. So if you can reframe it, you know, with some of this stuff and think of it, yeah, you're pitching, but also look at how you're going to form that relationship uh, for a long period of time. That's always been really helpful to me. Number six, create and monetize your own artist website. Artist websites are an essential part of cultivating an image and reaching out to new fans. Sure, social media can do this, but platforms like Facebook and Twitter are becoming less effective for musicians by the day. Hey, and if you're going to do it, why don't you head over to our sponsor, Banzoogle.com, who are the people that also wrote this blog. But no, this is a key point. We talk about it all the time. It's great if you can have one hub because those social media platforms, they do change and their effectiveness changes. And if you can always have a consistent place to direct people as you grow, I think you really uh, you got a leg up on people that aren't focusing their attention there. Yeah, for nothing else, I, I just... For you know my my OCD and just a way of being able to find a band, especially a new band, you want to make sure that your band name is your bandname.com. You want to make sure that your social media is all at your band name. I totally hate it whenever it's like it's like band name one.com <laughs> or band name dot org or you know and then it's like then the twitter is official at band name and then and then the instagram is different and then the facebook is different and it's like band name ban you know at facebook it's just like it's it's a it's a distraction and it and it, you're making it hard for people to become your fans when they can't find you um so uh, i don't know if i totally subscribe that uh, uh, that a website is 
something that is as useful as social media. However, you do at least have to get your band name URL on GoDaddy or wherever it is that you would, you know, buy a, a URL or domain name. But uh, you gotta, you gotta own that. And even if for temporarily you just forward it to a Bandcamp page or you know your Bandzoogle page or whatever, but you know a, a website doesn't have to be something so daunting. I think in the case of a lot of what I do, I just, I just, I have a template that my webmaster uses and we just plug it in and all the band websites are really simple, but whenever you put a tour on, you just send everybody there because that's where all the tour dates are. Um, and then whenever they're there, they can click on your Instagram, they can watch your videos, they can, they can, you know, follow you on Facebook. Every it's a hub to where everything is based off of that one destination. And it's good it's good to have one destination to message to people. I've got a tour on sale. I've got a new video. I've got to do this. Bandname.com is on all the messaging and send people there as opposed to link in bio or follow this and, and, and try and get this. And here's my other thing that where it's on my YouTube, but here's the URL that I put in Instagram that you can't even click on anyway and stuff. So um, I, I, I do think it is important. So I think this is legit. Yeah, you're training people. You know, and the earlier you get started to train people, uh, if if the platforms change or how you premiere a video or a song or tour dates changes, like you said, they know where to go. They can find you. And if you can get that official.com, uh, you know, best of luck to you. It depends on, you know, how unique your name is or when you started your band. But, you know, I agree with Blasco. If you can grab that stuff and keep it consistent, it's better for everyone. But if you can't, don't let that deter you. You know, you 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 do want to have places that you can send people consistently. Yep. Final number seven, launch a PR radio campaign. The last music marketing tactic is reserved for musicians who've got a budget to invest in their music. Hiring someone to push your music to radio, playlists, blogs, and press outlets can achieve huge result, but often at huge prices. How much money you ask? It depends on the scale and scope of the campaign, but meaningful results don't really happen until thousands of dollars are spent. And even then, there's no guarantee that your music will be reviewed or picked up by radio stations. Yeah, I think a, a, a gut rule here, and I haven't really said this before, but it just came to me as like, if the price tag feels uncomfortable to you, and you know, this is all within reason. I've met plenty of people and I've been in this situation myself where I didn't want to spend any money at all. So you gotta, you gotta you know, take that subset out of there. But if it feels uncomfortable to you, it probably means that it isn't where you should be spending your money, right? You do got to take a few risks. You got to spend outside of your comfort zone. But if, if somebody's saying, hey, let's do a $30,000 radio campaign and you've never had any, you know, baby steps to even flirt with radio, might not be the right time. You know, swinging for the fences. It's like if you go up there and you're trying to crush the ball over the fence when the bases are loaded, when all you need is one run and you just hit a single for, you know, the baseball analogy here, maybe that's a better strategy. So um, that's really my takeaway. All of these things are, are absolutely helpful if and when you can afford them. And I think, you know, plenty of the artists that I've worked with that we've developed, 
we started with just a, a PR person. We had no radio. We had no one doing playlist stuff. As they've grown, we kind of sprinkle some of that stuff in. And then as they continue to grow, we do advanced level campaigns that cost far more money with those relationships that we've already built. If the problem is that your band isn't as big as you would like it to be, the solution isn't necessarily throwing money at a radio campaign or press campaign. Uh, you know, I, I would proceed with caution anytime that you're talking about thousands of dollars, you know, at, at the onset of, of your band, I think spending time hacking social media algorithms is time and in, in investment, uh, better spent, um, you know, um, you know, like you can't trust everyone, like every radio plugger and every publicist out there. So if you don't get a good referral, um, I would be very cautious with spending thousands of dollars of any of these types of people. Um, you know, definitely vet these situations out, do your research, see what they've, see what they've done, see who they've hired. Um, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the threaten the band threaten right and and that whole thing and he threw a lot of money at um the, you know at, at stuff but it didn't it didn't really get it didn't get him any results other than the fact of a lot of negative results so um you know you want to be you want to be very cautious as whenever you're spending thousands of dollars that's what i'll i'll wrap it up with yeah, perfect point. <laughs> um, and before we close, I just want to say something, Mike. So uh, on the threatened topic, I did talk to the bass player kid, and uh, he brought up a good point that I thought was worth mentioning. Because if if you've listened, you know, this far in, in, into the episode, um, you know, he he was hired in this situation to get paid a couple hundred bucks to go to a foreign country and play music. Now he felt that that was okay, but he was definitely more enamored by the idea of making a few hundred bucks and getting on a plane and going to a foreign country and playing music. But he didn't really know the people and he didn't know the situation. He didn't know what he, what he's, what he was getting into. And he certainly didn't know that he was rolling into these places where there was, you know, no crowd or fans to be had. But it brings up a much bigger, more important point is that at the end of that plane ride could have been some bizarro teenage boy abduction ring to it. You know what I mean? Like if, if like you don't like, you don't know. Right. And granted, yes, it all, it all worked out in the grand scheme of things. He got home and he's sleeping in his own bed now, but the point of it is, is that he didn't know what he was getting himself into. And I just, I just thought it was a point worth making that in these types of situations, you gotta, you gotta do your research and you gotta know what you're getting yourself into because it's a weird world out there. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, something drastic could happen if you're not aware of your surroundings and what you're getting yourself into. This could be some kind of scam or something to where he could be stuck in Europe somewhere. He could have got he robbed. He could have got his passport stolen. Like there's there's so many situations that where this could have ended badly for this kid. And so I just wanted to make that point. 
It's a scary, scary world, everybody. Keep tuning in to Managemental and we'll walk you through all the potential pitfalls <laughs> of crazy adventures and uh, that, that are uh, seemingly too good to be true. No doubt. Uh, well, that concludes episode 96. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened thus far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Thanks again for another great episode, everybody. Head over to rockabilia.com and use that code PCJabberJaw for 15% off or banzoogle.com. And the code is mental for 15% off. Tell them Belasco and Mike sent you. And if you're serious about taking your music career uh, another step forward, head over to outerloopcoaching.com and see what we have to offer. And that's all I got, my friend. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear. The people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments. The ones where you... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember. The ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.